0: Hi, it's Mark Wasserman. Welcome to Ska Boom Stories, which is the audio companion to my new book Ska Boom, an American Ska and Reggae Oral History. Now that Ska Boom is available through DeWolf Publishing, with pre sale copies shipping this month, I'm sharing a behind the scenes look at what readers can expect from the book. In 400 plus pages across 19 chapters, I've attempted to knit together the origin stories of groups of passionate musical pioneers who helped create a uniquely American version of ska and reggae.
1: The release in the U.S. in early
0: 1973 of The Harder They Come, a movie that required subtitles, so that American audiences could follow the dialogue, had an impact far beyond its modest take at the box office. While the film had an impact and developed a strong cult following in the years after its release, it was the movie soundtrack which captured the hearts and minds of like-minded people across the country, introducing reggae to a wider American audience.
1: Walking down the road, beat the
0: in fact, the movie can be credited with giving rise to the first American reggae band, The Shakers, whose story opens *Skaboom*. The Shakers were musical pioneers playing reggae when it was an odd, foreign sound to most Americans born and raised on rock and roll. The band's legacy which is sadly unknown to most, includes being the first American reggae band ever signed to a major label. But I'm getting ahead of myself. Let's start at the beginning of the story. The soundtrack of The Harder To Come captured reggae at the moment it entered its own golden age at the start of the 1970s with a variety of styles, rhythms, and exotic lyrics. It included songs by Jimmy Cliff, the Maytals, the Slickers, and others soulful ballads, upbeat rockers, and even songs that quoted scripture and preached peace. The film became a primer for Americans about reggae music and the Jamaican experience. According to an essay in the Criterion Collection, a film publication, the soundtrack of The Harder They Come is something like the Sgt. Peppers of Reggae, one of the hippest and most memorable collections of Jamaican music ever recorded. Berkeley, California was the perfect birthplace for the first American reggae band. The city was open-minded about music, and its role as the center of the 60s counterculture meant that the songs of protest, rebellion, and redemption that featured in much of early 70s reggae were embraced with open ears. The Harder They Come electrified the music scene and musicians in Berkeley, the physical and spiritual home of the Grateful Dead. One in particular was Ron Rhodes, a drummer living in the Bay Area who became a reggae convert after seeing the movie dozens and dozens of times and later haunting record stores looking for Trojan record releases from the UK. Rhodes was a local musician who had played with a few rock bands but was quickly bitten by the reggae bug. He tried to get his bandmates to play reggae, but the beat and feel of the music confounded most American musicians who could not get used to the odd offbeat rhythms. Undaunted, Rhodes persevered, and soon had a group of musicians, including Josh Harris on keyboards, who later joined the Untouchables, listening to and playing along with reggae and rock steady songs. Naming themselves Huey and the Titans, they were together long enough to record a rough demo in 1973. Have a listen to what may be the earliest recording of an American reggae band. After a period of rehearsing and playing the odd gig as Huey and the Titans, the band regrouped and became the Shakers and soon became mainstays at a popular club in Berkeley called the Long Branch, performing a regular Sunday night residency for more than a year. Like the On Club in Los Angeles, which helped to popularize ska in the early 80s, the Long Branch was responsible for the growing popularity of reggae in Berkeley and it booked reggae bands from Jamaica on a regular basis. Toots and the Maytals, Third World and others made their U.S. debuts at the club, which also made the music more popular with the locals. The Shakers soon became so popular that they garnered press in New York City in the mid-70s. The Village Voice wrote a long article about Berkeley and the Long Branch in 1976 as the epicenter of reggae in the U.S. After their year-long residency at the Long Branch, the Shakers became so popular that they were eventually signed by David Geffen to Electra Asylum Records in 1975 and went on to record an album produced by Chuck Plotkin called Yankee Reggae, a moniker given to them by Toots Hibbert after the two performed and played together, but also an omen for the sounds contained inside the LP. The story of the Shakers is a cautionary one, and their experience with a major label was ultimately disastrous. Of course, Electra Asylum Records didn't understand reggae or how to promote the band properly. The label and producer Chuck Plotkin saw the band as a summary version of the Beach Boys and attempted to water down the band's reggae sound. According to an interview that Rhodes did with Bob Marley Magazine in 2000, Hollywood just wasn't ready for us, Although they, Electra Asylum, did sign us in 1975 and tried to make us sound like bright, happy, shiny kids with a new beat. They changed our sound so much that we weren't even the same act that drove down here. I got so pissed off at Plotkin for making me sing these tunes that I didn't want to sing them that I went crazy and threw a lot of stuff from my hotel room into the swimming pool. He would say, you got to sing this one. I promise you it will be a hit. And he was a big producer, and so I trusted him. And I guess I did what he wanted, and for years I hated that record, because it wasn't us. It wasn't what we sounded like, and they wouldn't let us get a Jamaican producer, and they did take the fun out of our chance to be something. Electric Asylum released the band's first single, which was a cover of Some Guys Have All the Luck. Rhodes and the band were disappointed in the choice and the final result. According to the Bob Marley Magazine interview, I wanted to do one of my originals instead. And Chuck and I fought long and hard on this one, but of course he won. I remember doing the vocal for that, and I was so pissed off that I just sort of blazed through it, and did a harmony track, and then another harmony track, and on and on, all while reading the lyrics off a piece of paper. The band fought valiantly, but we were unable to convince their producer or the label to let us be a real roots reggae band. Rhodes remembered one studio battle they did win. I'll never forget the night we slipped a Valium into Plotkin's Coffee. And an hour later, he was asleep on the floor of the control room, and we got the engineer to let us do a dub of one of the tracks. Plotkin wanted nothing to do with dubs, which to us were a huge part of our sound. We admired guys like King Tubby as much as guys like Bob Marley, and it was all a part of who we were. We mixed up all that Jamaican stuff to create a sound of our own, and Hollywood took that away from us and basically took the soul right out of our music. Have a listen to Some Guys of All The Luck to get a sense of the Yankee reggae sound. band was on tour during 1975 and 76 to support their album. David Geffen left the company and Joe Smith, brought in from Warner Brothers, took over the label and dropped the band while they were on the road. Rhodes sold the label the rights to his original songs on the album so the band could finish their tour.
2: A Little sunshine in their life. My life is only filled with rain. Some guys have all the luck. Some guys have all the pain. Some guys have a little sunshine in their life.
0: The band continued to tour after being dropped with a variety of old and new members. In 1980, The Shakers became the fabulous Titans, returning to the sounds of Rocksteady and Ska, adding a horn section and a Jamaican drummer, Lloyd Legs Adams, whom Rhodes had met in the early 70s when he was Inner Circle's drummer. The band released an EP and received a lot of airplay on college radio stations throughout the country. record landed in the hands of a Cuban DJ in Havana and became a hit with Cuban kids and the Fabulous Titans were invited to be the first American band to tour the island. It was a massive success, with the band playing sold-out concerts night after night for three weeks. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of Skaboom Stories. The book is now available for sale through DeWolf Publishing at DeWolfDiWulf.com. If you've listened and received some value from this episode, then please help support the podcast for as little as $3 per month on Patreon. Just go to Patreon.com backslash ska boom Podcast for more information. Thanks and take care.